Hey, it's Mike Andrews. Just wanted to let you all know that today's episode contains some mature topics, and we do encourage you to use your discretion before listening with your kids. We live in a society that does not value women, does not value femininity. Uh, we don't value the, the contributions of women in society. Mm -hmm. We don't value motherhood. Uh, we don't value a gentle and calm and quiet spirit, which is what I think women bring to the conversation. Welcome back to The Narrative. I'm Mike Andrews, and for once, I am surrounded by talent on the podcast today. No Aaron Bear and David Mahan. In honor of International Women's Day, we wanted to introduce our listeners to some of the amazing women that we have on our staff here at CCV and have a conversation about issues that are specific to women. And for some reason, they're letting me stick around. And I'm very, very grateful to be joined by all of you. And just for our listeners at home, I want you all to go around the table and, and introduce yourself so they can get to know you just a little bit. I'm Corinne Vidalis. I work with our Ohio Christian Education Network. I'm an attorney, so I'm our legal counsel. And I'm here with my six and a half week old little baby daughter. So if you guys hear crying, it's not me, but it might be me. <laughs> Could be producer Vince, too. We're not, we're not entirely convinced that he won't break down during this episode. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm Nalani Jawahar. I'm our legislative liaison. Um, I'm part of our policy team here at CCV. Um, there's a lot of important stuff happening right now in our state that I'm very honored to be a part of. And I'm Ruth Edmonds, the Christian Engagement Ambassador here at Center for Christian Virtue. I lead the church outreach. I'm also a ordained um, minister of the gospel, and I'm excited to be here today on International Women's Day. The other real important thing that I think is really cool about this um, August Table of Women is that it's very diverse as well, and that's a wonderful, beautiful thing about Center for Christian Virtue um, that I think is worth noting. So I'm excited for the conversation and glad to have uh, be here with all of my colleagues. Well, when we talk about pressing issues for women in our cultural moment right now, the big one in Ohio that we know about is abortion. And we've talked on this program the last couple of weeks, the abortion ballot initiative that we've seen the language, it's trending toward being on the November ballot. Nalani, this is kind of your wheelhouse as the as the policy part of the policy team. Will you talk talk us through the abortion ballot initiative just as a general overview? Yeah. So currently, um, groups like ACLU and the Plan and Planned Parenthood have uh, created a coalition, and they are, like Mike said, um, working to put a constitutional amendment on the November ballot that will basically enshrine abortion access in the Ohio Constitution. Uh, it would give Ohioans a so-called right to abortion. Um, and that will be up to the voters to decide this fall whether or not that passes. So uh, the stage that it's at right now is they have their language approved by the attorney general, and now they are working on collecting signatures. Um, and yeah, we are doing everything we can to to push back against that, to sort of launch a statewide campaign just to stop their efforts. And the big question for the three of you regarding abortion in general is just, we've heard the talking point that abortion is being pro-woman, but I know that none of you hold that position. So let's just kind of talk through that aspect of it. What is it about abortion specifically um, that motivates you to, to stand against it as a woman? I think, like, for me, one of the main things, I have two kids of my own, um, is just this idea that 
that there's something better about men's bodies that like what women can do that we can, you know, carry life within us. So we're co-creators of life. Um, it's just like, it seems, it seems we just live in a culture where the more that we push abortion onto women and, um, it's just like, oh, well, a man's body is better because he, you know, he doesn't have the ability to carry a, a child in the womb. And, you know, maybe women shouldn't be able to do that either. So let's just remove that. And so that whole concept that there's something better about men and that women need to try to be more like men instead of just being women. Like for me, that's I mean, that's probably the most um, where where everything kind of starts to fall apart with abortion and then every other issue that kind of comes comes up with abortion as well. And you, you hint at design there. And Ruth, I know that that's someplace that you've got some things to say, because we can go all the way back to creation <laughs> to look at the distinctives that God has built into his design. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, in Genesis one, God created male and female, male, female made he them. And he set the context for the truth of any and everything that we that we engage in in life. And so it, it was God's design that there would be a woman and that she would have a womb and that life would grow um, inside of her womb and and would be birthed from that place. Um, so anytime we're trying to re um, reconfigure God's original design, we're always going to come up short. We're always going to come up wrong and dysfunctional. And so um, a woman's body is designed to birth a baby, but a woman's body is not designed to abort mm -hmm. a baby. And so that's really one of the reasons why um, we don't want to promote something that is counter natural to a woman's body. It's it's really forcing it to do something that it was never designed to do. And now we're calling that right. And we're calling what is natural for her to do wrong. But I think there's also a scripture that tells us that we would come at a time when we'd be calling wrong, right, and right, wrong. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of where we are. Yeah. yeah, I think even um, just the fact that we as a culture have kind of separated sex from childbirth, um, that's something I noticed uh, since I've been volunteering at my local pregnancy center for the past four years now. And um, when I meet these women that come in, I've just noticed that, you know, these women will be having sex and then they'll get pregnant and they'll be shocked that they're pregnant. And then they'll <laughs> they'll be thinking of aborting the child often. And it, I, it just really got me thinking about how did we get here? You know, what, mm -hmm. what was that slippery slope that led mm -hmm. to us getting to this point where we essentially think that we can engage in a, a reproductive activity and not deal with reproduction? And um, I mean, there are so many things that led us there, but really, even in the early 1900s with the advent of birth control and the birth control activists, you realize that that was kind of the message really was that um, in order to be free, women needed to just operate through the world like men and birth control was what was used to, you know, to stop them from doing the thing that women uniquely do. And that is create and produce right. life. Yeah. Not only do they uniquely give birth, but women are uniquely nurturers. Um, that again is a design of 
God, that does not mean that fathers or men aren't nurturous. Um, they can be nurturing. They can have an element of that. But the inherent nature of a woman is to nurture um, a baby or nurture the culture. You know, that's Lady Liberty, you know, when you mother nature. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, 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 it goes back to what was the original design. And I think about Proverbs 29, 18, that says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, mm -hmm. but blessed are those who heed wisdom's instruction. And that whole revelation is all about fundamental truth, mm -hmm. you know? So when you cast off fundamental truth, what you get is no boundaries. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and when you have no boundaries, you can, you know, you just go there. And that's kind of what we're doing. We've, We've gone so far from um, where we where we were intended to be, and now the casting off restraint. And we're going to talk, you know, even more about how far that casting away of restraints, that that leaving the boundaries of what was originally intended for um, a woman to give birth as a result of being in a relationship with her husband um, for the purpose of procreating the next generation. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it really was never about satisfying my own need, even though mm -hmm. as a woman, I naturally want to have children. Mm -hmm. But the whole purpose of having children is to produce the next generation that will live on beyond you um, so that we can have a healthy society. And, and if you're a Christ follower, it is so that we can advance the kingdom of God through, mm -hmm. you know, life. And yeah, we've really gone off the grid there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. now we're living with, um, the, um, with what man has, has corrupted mm -hmm. and we're living within that context of the corruption of man where it concerns life. Yeah, and I think after the Dobbs decision in uh, last summer that overturned Roe, I think we noticed that there was just an opportunity for a more robust conversation around abortion and around, you know, up until then, it, it was like you couldn't really even talk about these things state to state because there was just this massive, across the country, there was this massive um, restriction that would not allow us to in any way um, protect life. But now, now we're seeing more robust conversations, um, and I think it's making people have to address other things that they didn't even think had anything to do with abortion, um, like IVF, which is, um, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, that's in vitro fertilization, which is basically an artificial process of reproduction that takes place in a lab um, where um, an egg is extracted from the woman and sperm is extracted from the man, and it's artificially forced to create an embryo and then implant it inside a woman's uterus. And I say a woman because that's the other thing is it <laughs> would not even necessarily be, you know, the potential mother of this child. All of that is kind of thrown in the air and you don't really know mm -hmm. what's going on because now potentially there could be a surrogate, another woman involved in that relationship. And um, I don't know, we're seeing a lot of things in the news lately related to just questions people are having about that. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Corinne. The whole concept following, you know, the fallout of Roe where 
everything we were everything we were talking about with Roe was, you know, a court case that was decided 50 years ago. Um, and so all of that conversation was kind of s- stuck back um, in that time frame. And now, like we we never had the opportunity because of Roe and things like that. We never had the opportunity to even think about like, what does this mean for IVF? What does this mm-hmm. mean for you know any kind of artificial reproductive technology? Because that just wasn't a part of the conversation then, and it's only become part of the conversation now. Mm-hmm. And you know something they always told us in law school is that science always outpaces the law. So things like Mm -hmm. IVF, um, uh, surrogacy, things like that. The law doesn't keep up with that stuff. So we essentially have an entirely like unregulated industry Mm -hmm. of um, IVF and things like that, which is what we're seeing a lot of fallout from. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you see all these celebrities who are hiring women. Who knows what women they're hiring? Like Mm -hmm. they could be like trafficked women. They could be anything, you know, certainly not not women that are seen with, you know, a, a dignity from their creator. Um, so mm-hmm. celebrities just keep hiring these surrogates. We've seen that with so many celebrities. Um, Anna Kendrick, Rebel Wilson, like mm-hmm. um, Joe Jonas, even like Joe or Nick mm-hmm. Jonas. I don't know anything about the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> um, so one of them, you know, their wives or whatever, they just, they've commodified life. And that's like something mm-hmm. that I think now with the Dobbs decision, we have the opportunity to address. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think Nalani, yeah, some of these um, yeah, so articles there, that we've... Yeah. yeah, there was an article in USA Today um, just uh, a couple weeks ago, um, and the headline is, Patients worried IVF treatments could become illegal under abortion bans, doctors say. Um, so basically, as soon as... it In the article, it discussed that as soon as Roe was overturned, so many people just ran to the fertility clinics to check on the embryos that they had um, frozen there. Um, and it's just, yeah, I think that's something that we don't even like, like so many of us have, you know, friends, nieces, nephews, whoever, like even, you know, babies that we know that were conceived via IVF, but something that we don't think about is, um, each of those babies before they were put into a mother's womb, they were in a freezer. And I mean, God didn't say I, before I, before I knit you in the (laughs) freezer, he said, before I knit you in your mother's womb. So, um, there's so, there's hundreds of thousands, like millions probably of babies that are just sitting in freezers for, we don't know how long. And those are, I mean, those are real people. Um, you know, they're already, they're already fertilized. They're, they're actual people and they're just sitting in freezers. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is something that people need to be worried about, you know, with different abortion laws and stuff that are going to come out because what, what's going to happen if you have a baby in the freezer and then you decide you don't want it? Does it just sit there for hundreds of years does what happens when you know there was an incident in cleveland a couple years ago where the freezer malfunction what what happens to those babies so yeah it goes back to again the original design Mm -hmm. and so we're creating these lives um outside of the context of what god originally intended which is why the church really cannot be silent because our whole purpose is to advance the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God has certain principles and um, truths to it. Um, And the truth, you know, about God, you know, putting one man and one woman together and it, it, you just can't augment that. And when you do, again, you get chaos and confusion and you get um, these irregularities and and all kinds of of, um, maladies 
And and you're now we're dealing with issues, as you say, of babies that are literally frozen. So you know, as we as we're moving forward toward um, thinking about this um, ballot initiative, that you know, if they're able to get the requisite number of signatures, and let's just put a pin in that and say, God, please don't let them get the requisite number of signatures, but. If and when it does, what will the church do? Will we be silent? Because we know that there are people sitting in the congregation who were beneficiaries of IVF or surrogacy. Um, Will we go along because we don't want to offend? But who don't we want to offend? If if it offends God, Mm -hmm. even though there's grace absolutely there's grace, but we don't continue on. You know, Jesus said to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, go and sin no more, you know? Hmm. So there was grace there um, for that. So we can't continue on. We are going to have to, as a church, take a stand against these things and say, yeah, this is the way culture's going. Yes, we know that, you know, this is happening but this is not what God intended. And if we don't stand up and say something, um, it's just going to continue. Um, We have no idea what other manifestations are going to be coming down the pike. Um, Right. And um, actually, to that point, uh, there was just just last week, a CNN article that's um, talking about a couple from California that actually sued their fertility clinic over an embryo that was carrying a cancer gene. And so this is how you ask that question, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. In that, you know, a a lot of these people, if you ask them what they thought about what Hitler was doing Mm -hmm. in Europe, they would be so opposed to, you know, eugenics and, Mm -hmm. and treating people like like you can pick and choose, you know, what kind of designer baby you want. Right. They would be so opposed to that, but that's literally what's happening here is that they're angry that this child that they created in a fertility clinic has a disease and and even you know people choose they can choose the sex of the baby because that's the other thing is IVF actually is an abortive process Um, they typically because of how expensive the process is they implant multiple embryos inside the woman and then depending on which one takes or, you know, which one she wants, whether she wants, yeah, if she wants a a male or female or whatever she wants, they they will actually abort the rest. And most people don't know that, especially in the church, I think, because a lot of people just innocently think, you know, which is totally understandable. And like you said, they always think, you know, life is good. And like, I don't think, you know, You know, if if you were conceived via IVF or if you know someone was, it doesn't negate their life. Like life no. is always good, but it's just in this way that we've sort of, we're playing God where we, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're just, we're creating life in the way that wasn't intended to be created. Right. And, 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 you know, along that line with that particular article, um, you know, I, as I was reading it, the mother, the wife says of the um, medical um of the medical facility, we trusted them to help us have a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're human beings. We're mm-hmm. very limited. Yeah. We're not perfect. And so to put that kind of 
pressure on another human being mm-hmm. just because you paid them some money. You, you There's no pay for perfection. You don't get perfection because mm-hmm. you paid someone. And then the um the profession you know the the organization that you know that um was harvesting or hosting these um these eggs these fertilized eggs they say we also stand by the professionalism and expertise of our medical staff and we pride ourselves on adhering to the highest standards of patient care patient records and results and all of our testings so now you've got a them versus us mm-hmm. you know yeah. you've got imperfect people playing god mm-hmm. and because we feel like i've paid money yeah. i should get you know, mm-hmm. perfection with no risk at all. It's risky business mm-hmm. to do this. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a Pandora's box that now is opened. And it's, um, and we pray that, you know, God is merciful, but um, this is, this is real stuff. And again, we, we're stepping away from again, the relationship that was intended to occur also when um, a man and a woman come together um, to, you know, to create life. There is a relational um, element to that that you you just don't get. It's like in that couple, I think one of the interesting things about this story is like, it's not even that they went to the fertility clinic and they, you know, p- just picked out any random baby. They went to the fertility clinic. It was their egg, their sperm. Mm-hmm. So they did, they they combined their own DNA in a way, like they didn't even, they didn't do it by having sex. They they created this child at mm-hmm. the fertility clinic instead of, so you they know, within there. Things. Yeah, instead of, you yeah. know, creating a child with God, you know, three, yes. it takes three to get married, you know, so they, they just, I mean, yeah, in their case, yeah. it took a lot more than three because they had a whole clinic involved. So <laughs> right. I, it's just, yeah, they just, they went this whole alternate route with their own DNA, their own, their own um workings there. And it's still, yeah. Right. And yeah, it really just goes back to the fact that it was contraception, actually, that led us to believe that we could have sex without children, mm-hmm. and abortion was the natural result of that. Um, but then it's now IVF that leads us to believe that we can have children without sex. And right. so it really is just everything is on its head. It's just not the way God intended it. And that's what happens when you accept one thing. Hey, Narrative listeners. You know, Christians in the marketplace today face more unique and challenging threats than ever before. Businesses are following woke capitalism, chambers of commerce are beholden to social justice, and secular activists are chipping away Christians' First Amendment rights. As Ohio's only Christian chamber of commerce, the Christian Business Partnership stands in the gap to advocate for, to educate, and to celebrate Christian business owners. Joining the partnership also allows businesses to provide their employees with health care insurance, workers' compensation, and exclusive banking and educational discounts. To find out more and to join, go to cbpohio.org. That's cbpohio.org. And we're back on the narrative. Mike Andrews joined today by Corinne Vidalis, Nalani Jawahar, and Ruth Edmonds, just a few of the incredible women that we have on the CCV team. Before the break, we were talking about abortion, how it affects women. But you mentioned something, Ruth, that I wanted to give you an opportunity to 
to all speak on a little bit more. And, and you talked about boundaries. Yeah. And when we step outside the boundaries of design, that those boundaries are there for safety and protection. When you cross a boundary, it results in harm. Yes. Uh, and people get hurt. And on this issue specifically, yeah. those disproportionately harmed are going to be women and children. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to um, remember that God is a sovereign God and we don't always, we don't. The Bible says his ways are not our ways and our ways are not his. And he He did something <laughs> in the beginning. He created life and he set some boundaries to it and how we were to function. What he did was he, you know, in, he created man and then he, he gave Adam, Eve, and he said to them to, you know, um, to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish. So that's the, you know, that's one of the boundaries that we have. And it, when he did that, um, he did it because he's looking for um, us to procreate um, after, you know, our kind so that there are people in the earth who are loving him and getting to know him. I mean, his whole purpose for doing this was so that he could be glorified mm -hmm. and we get to benefit from that. But when we go outside of putting him first, then we become you know, the center of our own intentions. And that's problematic because what we now do is we say, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do to get what I want. And it, it becomes a broken down system and it's going to take God to fix that. So women you know, God loves women and we were created in his image and in his likeness. Um, and we have to make sure that we are protecting the very thing that God created. And um, when we um, abort a baby, um, again, it is hurting a woman because our bodies are naturally created to give birth. Mm -hmm. And um, so... This whole boundary, um, we have really gone beyond where God originally intended for us to be um, in the context of marriage, in the context of our culture. And um, and now, you know, we've got litigation involved and we've got legal, you know, the legislature involved, you know, we've, and, and now we've got, you know, families pitting against each other, friends pitting against each other. It's because we are out of boundary and, um, and the church particularly has, um, you know, we are responsible for, um, standing for the word of God. And because we haven't, I believe that, that the church of Jesus Christ is a part of the problem because we haven't stood and we haven't said, you know, this is what God expects and, um, you know, walk alongside and disciple people and do life with people in a way that helps them um, to not fall into the pitfalls of life so that, um, you know, so they can walk according to the will of God. So yeah, boundaries, um, you know, this, there's a crisis of, of morality in the world right now. Um, there's, there is a fundamental wrong and right, except for in our culture today, there is no uh, you know, everybody has their truth. There's, there's this <laughs> thing going on and, and there's a, 
as a result of the crises of morality, it's created a crisis of family, mm -hmm. which then creates a crisis of community. Then there's a crisis of injustice that falls into the crisis of poverty, which falls into the crisis of identity. And then mm -hmm. it leads to the crises of life. I mean, it's like a domino effect. And we have to understand that as Christians, mm -hmm. that when we you know, when, when we bend the word of God, when we bend the principles of God, the truth of God, it has a consequence. And if, and over a period of time, just like that weed that's in the ground, um, if you don't get to the root of that weed, you can keep chopping off the top, but the root is there. And we've got to go back to the root. And the root is to say life from its inception, um, is, is critical and important. And we are going to preserve the sanctity of life um, because that is what God intended. Yeah. And all of this is just us trying to take things into our own hands. You know, it's just mm -hmm. us telling God, you don't know what's best for me. I know what's best for mm -hmm. me. You know, I know when I'm ready to have a baby. Yeah. But if, you know, if you were not ready to have a baby, God would not have given you one. You know, exactly. God will give you a child and he will provide for you through that. And we don't, I don't know. This is always the message I'm I'm trying to tell women that come into the the pregnancy centers that you know you may think you can't be a mother, but you are one. You already are one, sure. <laughs> and that they need to hear that. You know, they need to hear that they can do it, and that they um, that it, that God would not give them something, and then also. He, not equip them. Yes, exactly. To, yeah, yeah, to carry it so, on. Yeah, I think too with Ruth, what you were saying with the, um, just our original design that God God created man and He created woman, and so He created us to participate in life differently, in giving life differently, but then also just our participation in life. You know, we spent so much time, you know, trying to matriculate women into the workforce back in mm -hmm. the in the fifties and stuff, and we didn't stop to think about. Not whether or not women should be in the workforce. Like mm -hmm. I'm a female attorney. I'm sitting here at work with the baby. Like I'm not <laughs> saying go home. <laughs> but, you know, the, he, we didn't stop to think about, you know, what what should that really look like? Mm -hmm. Like what is a man's role in his mm -hmm. family? What is a woman's role in her family? What are our roles in the world? And so, you know, we – And how does we, it affect children? Yeah. yeah. And what yeah, what is going to be mm -hmm. the – the end all for then for our kids. What is that going to look like for our babies? So I just think, yeah, the the original design of this is the woman's role. And so we see that like come to play, you know, in all these issues with abortion, because who's the one that ultimately has to walk into the abortion clinic or who's the one that ultimately has to take the, you know, the, the pill, the, um, that, mm -hmm. you know, ends life mm -hmm. in the womb. And so, um, it, it all, all of that falls onto the woman, but who's the one that, you know, is the most nurturing. That's also the woman. So who does that hit even harder mm -hmm. is women. It affects us, you know, way deeper than it would affect, even if a man could carry a baby, they're just the way that God has designed them is not the same. And so that mm -hmm. wouldn't, it wouldn't, you know, sit with them exactly the same if they were the ones that had to walk into the clinics. Yeah. Yeah. And I truly believe that we live in a misogynist society, but not the way the left will tell you that we live in a misogynist society where we're they'll complain about the patriarchy and things like that. But it's really not like that. It's it's that we live in a society that does not value women, does not value femininity. Uh, we don't value the, the contributions of women in society. Mm -hmm. We don't value motherhood. Uh, we don't value a gentle and calm and quiet spirit, which is what I think women bring to the conversation. And we, we admire people who are out there and who are aggressive. And we just have our values are all off, I think. And and I just, I think women are 
being pushed into a mold that they were not made for. And that's why they're miserable and why um, families and children are suffering because women are not being taught to thrive as women. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime a male believes that he could become a woman is totally disrespectful Mm -hmm. to who a woman is, what a woman is. Um, And that speaks to the disrespect that now, you know, um, (laughs) you know, you've got, you know, these drag men in drag. I'm not even going to give them the title of queen. (laughs) Men in drag who, you know, I mean, they over, you know, over Mm -hmm. um, exaggerate uh, exaggerate Mm -hmm. what a woman is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's It's offensive. It is (laughs) offensive. It is very much so offensive. And we have to say, no, no, that's 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 not good, and we can't expose our children mm-hmm. to that kind of you know lunacy. Um, they yeah. should not. Children should not grow up thinking that a woman um, that a woman is anything that we say a woman is. That's yeah. not true. And in a culture that is so against gender norms, like men spend a lot of time trying to fit themselves to a woman's gender norm in in that you know they're like oh i need to like pink or i need to like mm-hmm. unicorns and it's like wait i thought we were done with gender norms so why yeah. are we all of a sudden bringing those back but yeah. it just yeah it just goes to show that yeah, men are they they either have this idea of what a woman should be or whatever but it's not it's not truly you know what women are right. yeah yeah and to that point about um males trying to be females um today in the Ohio House, we actually had our first uh, sponsor hearing for the Save Women's Sports Act, which would protect female athletes from having to compete against biological males in sports. And it feels so absurd even just to say that, that we are at a time and place where we don't realize the necessity for girls to have their own sports teams, that this is something that distinguished people wearing suits are having conversations about in state houses. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's actually absurd. Right, it is. And I will come back and say, and the church is too silent on these issues. The fact that true enough, um, you know, God is gracious and he is loving, but God is also a God of order Mm -hmm. and he is sovereign. And if he said that he created a male and a female, that's what he did. And Mm -hmm. we don't get to change that. We don't get to alter that, whether we are you know, here already in the earth trying to change our gender, or if in the womb we're trying to, you know, um, create a, a a baby the way that we want to, fashioning mm-hmm. it. Or um, uncreated. Or uncreating it, exactly. It is, we have just gone so far outside of the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And again, that goes back to the Proverbs 29, 18. When we... Um, when we don't have a revelation, when we don't have clarity, understanding, knowledge, a fundamental truth, then, you know, all all bets are off. You know, the sky's the limit and beyond, and it's total chaos and confusion. And that's where we are. And the church has to say something about that because, you know, God, even when, you know, back in, 
you know, that that was what the whole purpose of, you know, Noah and, you know, the flood was all about Mm -hmm. because things had just gotten so far out of whack, Mm -hmm. but God made a promise and he said he would never do that again. And I'm sure we are pushing him to his (laughs) limit, (laughs) but he's expecting the church to be that you know, that yeah. standard bearer. And it's no surprise that the image of their movement is a rainbow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to remind us of God's promise that he won't flood the world again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We have to take that back. And mm-hmm. I, I I challenge the Church of Jesus Christ to take back um, the rainbow um, because it's God's promise. You're right. To us. And so when, you know, with this issue of abortion, it is it is unnatural again it's unnatural the act itself the 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 procedure is unnatural you know some say well what about a you know a minor do you you know and let's say a minor is is raped do we want that minor child that girl to um be traumatized again well actually giving birth is not traumatic for a female. If mm-hmm. she menses and she can have a mm-hmm. child, she can, you know, mm-hmm. um, if she can become pregnant, she can have that baby because that's just how God naturally intended it. So technically when you, when you force a minor to have an abortion, that really is the mm-hmm. second trauma. Yeah. That's the trauma. Adding trauma to trauma doesn't fix trauma. Yeah. Two wrongs don't make a right. I, I heard somewhere. <laughs> so, you know, we, we have to begin to think the way God in a, in a God's worldview, the, um, and, and, and get, and not try to fashion our understanding according to the world's way. You know, God, what Mary wasn't, she wasn't 30 years old, you know, mm-hmm. and we know that, you know, earlier in earlier years that young girls did have babies. Um, and so it's not, it's not that they can't and it's, um, it's not traumatic, but we want to preserve life always. And then we want to love the baby once it's born. We want to love the baby and the mom. Mm-hmm. And we're thankful for pregnancy, um, decision health centers and, mm-hmm. you know, other, um, caring organizations that have been loving babies and moms for years. And we want to continue to do that. And we also want to want to encourage uh, the body of Christ to think about adoption and Mm -hmm. um, fostering because these children, when they come into the earth, maybe the parent, the mom does not want um, to parent, but there ought to be loving families who will step up to the plate, but we just can't we we just can't be throwing away life because life is not ours. Mm-hmm. It belongs mm-hmm. to God. Yeah. And um, on that note, there's 50% of the abortions, I think it's 50% of the abortions in Ohio um, are, are done not even in an operation room. They're done via the abortion pill. Um, so mm-hmm. that's like another way, you know, if you, you say all the, if, if you're a minor and you're pregnant and you, you know, you think, oh, I can't give birth, like my body is not ready for that. But then that you're going to go to a Planned Parenthood or wherever you're going to go. And if they prescribe you this pill or you can, you know, get it on the internet or have it shipped over from Indiana now and, um, if you get go and you get and you get this pill to take and you go home and you take the pill, 
and the next thing you know, you're like hemorrhaging out in your bathtub or, you know, it's not any, it's not safe. It's not, it's not exactly. by any means something yeah. that, you know, we need to be putting our bodies through. Yeah. And it just shows that the left is so concerned with protecting abortion access that they're not concerned about the, wim- the women. Mm-hmm. They're not concerned about their safety at all. If they're okay with women you know, just completely unsupervised by a medical professional, just taking these pills at home and just, go, you know, hemorrhaging, going through whatever it is that, I mean, it's traumatic. You know, they're giving birth to their baby in the toilet most of the time and it's nobody's there with them to help them through that. And I thought this was about women. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And we have to protect um, the vulnerable and women in that state you know, who are pregnant, who weren't intending to be pregnant. Um, That's a vulnerable place to be in. And again, I go back to, you know, the church has got to address these issues. You know, there are, there's a a statistic that one in four women have had an abortion. And, um, particularly if in the context of the church how many women who are who are going to church every sunday they're involved and they are carrying the weight of an abortion that they had because because it's unnatural mm-hmm. and your and and your body isn't intended to abort when you make that decision there is a trauma there mm-hmm. and 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 whenever there's an open door, that trauma, you know the enemy's going to come in. That's yeah. his job, to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. So now there's a wound, there's a hurt, um, and now there's bondage. That, you know, that leads to something else because you're full of guilt and shame. And, well, you know, um, you know something else enticing. I mean, most a lot of women um, who've had at least one abortion will have a second one. And that's out of guilt, again, because, well, I had the first one and, you know, it becomes a cycle of behavior. And for those who it's not a cycle of behavior, there's still that plaguing in your mind. And we've got women in our in churches that are not healed and they're not whole and they're mm-hmm. suffering from the guilt and the shame of having had an abortion. So now we've got a church that's not healthy because of that. And that's one of the reasons why it's really important for the church to speak up for women because, you know, there are women serving in all capacities in the church and, um, and, and they need to be doing it in a healthy and a whole way. And they can't because Mm -hmm. they're struggling, Mm -hmm. um, or they're having behaviors and they don't know why they're behaving like this, why they're, you know, Mm -hmm. any multitude of, of, um, triggers mm-hmm. um, that are happening. And it's because they have not addressed this thing that has happened to them. Yeah. I was I was taught once that, you know, the the thing that the devil hates the most in the world is, is woman because she has the ability to bring life mm-hmm. into the world. You know, how did Jesus get here? He, yeah. Through the body of a woman. And so the thing he hates most in the world is woman, which just goes to explain why our culture is so, there's so many affronts mm-hmm. to womanhood, you know, via, you know, either men pretending to be women, whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, abortion or um, just any any different way that um, we've stepped outside of these boundaries. Mm-hmm. A lot of those ways are ways that affect women because, you know, the, the devil is prowling about the world, yeah. mm-hmm. seeking to destroy us. And it's primarily women that he wants to go after. 
Absolutely. Right. You know, this is an Esther moment for the Esthers, you mm -hmm. know, and the women. And this is, you know, this is a, a, a men of a doom, you know, get out of that cave, men, mm -hmm. and stand, um, stand for for the word of God and stand for women who God created um, for you, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, yeah, we, you know, the man's, man's role is to protect women. Mm -hmm, so that's, yeah. yeah, that's what, you know, we ultimately want to call on men to do, not like other feminists. We don't want to sit, <laughs> sit around and say, no, I'll do it myself. You know, mm -hmm. right? we're asking you guys to come with us, come alongside us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You guys stole my question. That was going to be like the <laughs> closing question I had. What about the fellas? How can you encourage the fellas? <laughs> Way then, ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, you're right there. But I think that's a that's a point well taken in that we hear so often from, you know, the guy perspective, the only one at the table today, <laughs> that no uterus, no opinion on these mm, things. Yeah. But no. that's not actually going to be helpful for women or for the the larger cause, right? Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The same way that women have it in us to defend and protect our children, men actually have it in them to pr defend and protect women and children. So men even have a higher calling in all of this to, to really um, spearhead this movement. Honestly, I think men should be, and and so many of the men that we get to work with um, through yeah. CCV, I think, um, you know, not just our. President Aaron and uh, David and and Mike and all these men who are you know doing this work. It's it's so important to see more and more of them. So I certainly don't believe that this is a, a women's movement. Absolutely, and we want the shepherds of God's church, who predominantly are men, to um, to take a stand. You know, when they have um, that bully pulpit, to stand for the women who are in their congregations. Um, and to stand for, um, stand on the word of God that, um, you know, we have to protect life. And, and, and that's the kind of congregation that, that, that will be there. And he's the kind of shepherd that, um, you know, that women and men can, can rely on. Um, and it's, it's important. It's a it's love. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's love when we stand for the truth of the gospel, it is love, and we have mm -hmm. to do that. Well, that mm -hmm. is a, a great word, Ruth. And Nalani, Corinne, Ruth, thank you so much for this mm -hmm. insight today. This was a great conversation and really grateful to be able to, to get you out there in front of our audience mm -hmm. on the narrative, and I'm sure that they all enjoyed it as well. Great. Well, thank you for thank having you. me. Thank you. Before we wrap this up today, I want to remind you one more time about how you can get in touch with us. Voicemail or text message to 614-769-7077 or email us at thenarrative at ccv.org. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Narrative, presented by CCV and produced by Wessler Media. If you found today's episode insightful, leave us a review or rating and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We're your hosts, Mike Andrews, Aaron Bear, and David Mahan, and we'll see you next time on The Narrative. <laughs>